Hello, everyone. Welcome to season two, tenth episode of Ask Life. I'm your host Helen, and I'm Ron. In each episode, we address life's most fundamental and important questions in an effort to provide fresh perspectives on our preconceived notions and understanding of reality through the teachings of the Bible. So today, we were actually discussing a few topics, and we came to one that I thought would be very interesting for everybody. The question of the day is: What is desire, and how does it shape us humans? When I mention desire, I'm very curious to see where everybody's minds go.、Um, people have all different type of desires in this world. Some of it could be for lust, it could be for power, it could be for, for respect, or it could be anything in between. What is it that you desire in life? So some people want cars, some people want money, some people want respect, some people want a like a hot wife or a hot husband. You know, everybody. I want one. No, not a husband actually. <laughs> I just want a hot. Hot、guy. something. I want hot something. <laughs> hot fudge Sundays. Hot side thing or main. Yeah,、thing. but but the thing is, everybody always wants something, and where where does these wants come from? There, there must be a specific reason of why we want these things, right? Actually, if you think about it from that perspective, like having desire or needing something more than what I have today, that is the very essence of what makes human human. You don't really think about like a tiger that's thinking, "Oh, we need to think about different ways to get tools to go hunt down more gazelles," or they don't have desires or wishes that would want them to go from point A to point B. This is something that's very unique to human beings that. It's the very essence of who human beings are. We are always wishing for something. We're always desiring something. We're not just happy being who we are and where we are. We are always striving for something more and better and higher, right? Like, why do we have that? Why and what is what is the significance of this desire and need to do more? So one of the things too, like if we if we actually take a look at society as a whole, you can see exactly how we evolved. Uh, as Helen said, we always have a desire to want to to do more and want to improve and do and do more,、uh, do greater. Like if you look back in the days, everybody was walking around from point A to point B, and then people were like, "Oh, well, you know, I want to get there faster." So they started riding on horses, and then you know, then they're like, "Oh, well, I want something more comfortable." So now it became a horse and a carriage. And then you see how the carriages started to get upgraded into something more fancy, and then we started having cars that were originally very, very slow, but much faster than horses. And then from there, you have like, oh well, I want air, so now they have windows, and now we have ACs, now we have heated seats, and now we even have like you know coolers in the back of their car and heated cup holders and heated steering wheel. Yeah, now cars that drive themselves. So. You know, as Helen was saying, why, why, why all this? Like we see it through society and evolution of how you know of how you know, as I guess how everything has developed and in this world. But I guess we never really thought about why. Right, and what what is this source of that? What is this source that ignite us to to push forward to something more and something better? And by the way, if you also keep going back to the origin of this desire, there's this concept of not being happy, meaning like not accepting whatever I have today as it, right? I'm like I'm hot, and we don't just accept it's hot like every other animals do. We say it's hot, and I don't want it to be hot. I'm unhappy because it's hot, so I want it to be cool. And what? Can be done 
for it to be cool. Like that, that is the nature of human beings. The recognition of sadness or unhappiness or being uncomfortable and desire to get out of that, there's an origin of that thought, which is, it stems from the fact that we recognize our differences. We recognize that human beings are different. We're not like another zebra amongst a zebra herd. We each individually, we all have you know, physical differences in our appearances or our abilities. We have differences in our mental and emotional capabilities. A lot of us are not so smart. Some people are geniuses. We have huge differences monetarily, right? And we, we have differences in our status, our socioeconomic differences. Some people are born out of noble family. Some of us are peasants, you know, some, some of us are homeless. Power, notoriety, there are just so many differences and some of it is real differences and some of it is perception of our shortcomings, but there are these differences and we recognize them. We see that there's always somebody who has more, who is more beautiful and who can do more, who can do better. We recognize it and that bothers us. We're not happy just being ourselves. We want to elevate. When I go back to my childhood and I think about the very first time I wanted something, I desired something, it was the very first time I realized there are other options. I remember this moment because my parents used to actually fight a lot when I was really young. And this is when I was living in that small village in Korea. So we were all relatively poor, but everyone in the village were very poor. We had like maybe 50 households. Everybody was poor, so I never really noticed it when I was really, really young that we were poor. I didn't desire more, but as soon as there was TV and I started watching TV and I realized that there are these people living in, in the city, that's Seoul, and the father was driving a car, working for a big company in tall buildings, they're eating nice things, the wife and husband getting along really nicely, they're all smiling and the kids are having fun. There was like real sense of happiness and peace when I watched TV and I realized the moment that I can compare my situation to somebody else's, I realized I'm not happy, why am I here and why, and I'm sorry to say this to my parents at this moment, but I was not happy having my parents as my parents at that time because I thought they fought way too much and I thought that I wanted parents who were nicer and who didn't reprimand their kids even if they did anything wrong. And I remember the very first time that, I, you know, obviously I didn't know whether there was God or not, but I wished, you know, why was I born into this particular family? Why couldn't I be born into that family on TV, not realizing that that family is fake? But you know, at the time I was thinking like, wow, that's a, such an ideal situation. I wish I was in that family. I wish I could be eating all that cake. So the moment you realize and you can compare, right, that there is something better out there, that moment is when you start to desire. And until you achieve something closer or at least you're making a movement towards that goal, you're unhappy. So that's crazy. Like what Helen just said just automatically reminded me of what happened in Genesis when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It, it's just before they knew anything, that's like they, all they knew was what they knew before. And there was no comparison. There was no difference. There was no... Um, there, there was nothing for them to want outside of what they wanted. But as soon as they ate the fruit from this tree, 
it's like, it, as the Bible said, their eyes were opened up. And it kind of seemed like what happened in Helen's case. And in my case as well, like if we all lived in our little bubble, we would never know anything outside of it. There's nothing to desire or to want. But once you start seeing something else and something greater, that's when your wants and needs started to develop. And just like Helen, when I was a child, I felt the same way as Helen. And looking back on it, it's why did I But you want... didn't like your family either. Yeah, yeah. I, I got beat a lot, yeah. so <laughs> it wasn't the, yeah. the, the best the thing. happy but, family. But just like, not even about that. It's like, why do I want something that I didn't have? You know, from my point of view, I had a best friend back when I was in fourth grade, and my parents would give me lunch money and I would buy cafeteria food. And I thought this was like the worst. But on his end, his mom packed him homemade lunches every day. And he was always like, man, I wish I could eat cafeteria food. <laughs> so for me and him, we, me and him became really good friends actually because we split lunch all the time. So I would have half his lunch and he would have the half my lunch. The grass is greener on the yeah, other side. Yeah, the grass is greener. Well, exactly. Well, we have that saying for a reason. And it, you know, a lot of the sayings that we have in life and all these little puns here and there, they all kind of tie back. It's actually real. Like if you really dig into it, there's actually a truth to it. We just take it for granted as a saying, but grass is green on the other side is exactly what we're talking about right now. So yeah, when I was younger, I would always wonder like, why am I here? Like, why am I in this family? Why can't I be in another family where their kids are able to go play football and lacrosse and all this other stuff while I'm stuck? you know, playing the violin and piano, like, and practicing hours a day. Like, I didn't think it was fair. We don't really know what our parents want us to do. Like, we're, we're so naive and, we, you know, our train of thought and our thought process is so tiny and the realm of what we can think about is also very, very small. But yeah, back to what Helen was saying, like, all these differences and seeing the disparity between either upper class, lower class, or even like even as simple as cafeteria lunch and home cooked lunch, there's something that makes you want something else. Right. And then think about like the concept of popularity hits you, I guess, when you're a first teenager. Actually, when I think back to my entire lifetime and think about the moment that I was least happy was probably when I was a teenage girl. And many women may feel the same way because that's when you start to sort of recognize these differences that exist. That's when you first start recognizing, you know, popularity, your popularity differences. Like, oh, how come these girls are prettier, you know, and they have certain friends and they wear certain clothes and they ride certain cards and you start to realize all these differences. And this is when you start to have clicks, right? People of certain you know, abilities and backgrounds, they hang out together. And the, the folks who seem to have it all, they all hang out together. But that's when you start to having this like caste system of popularity. But that's because, again, we're recognizing that we have these shortcomings. And these shortcomings make us sad because some we can do something to improve. If you're born very ugly, it's very difficult. I mean, you could, you could potentially, you know, make money and fix it later as you, as you're older. But like, imagine being a teenager and being just awkward, not good looking and obese. Think about like constantly every day you go to school and you see these beautiful girls. Like, of course you're going to be sad. You see that difference. And that's what makes us human. We can see that difference and say, I wish I was like that. I wish I looked like her. So what does that mean? Like, what, what does this mean? Yeah, you know, as Alan said, I, I felt like it was the same way. I feel like when I was younger, I was 
You're a little fat kid, you know, wearing you glasses. Fat? I was a little fat boy. What? Yeah. By the way, Ron's known to, amongst, at least amongst my friends, as the skinny guy. Although he's not really <laughs> skinny. I guess compared to them, they feel like Ron's skinnier. Well, skinny or not, well, when I grew up, it was very different. You know, you're before you actually start to grow, I was a little round kid with a bowl yeah. cut. You know, yeah. my parents just cut my hair, whatever, with the way they Literally felt like with it. A bowl. Yeah, I had the only shirt, t shirts I had were Looney Tune shirts. <laughs> so I wore those like basically every day. I didn't, I wasn't really one to get picked on. I was actually in the school I was in, I went to like a gifted school, like an accelerated learning school. So I was actually one that like the more, the cooler kids but it also but it didn't make me feel like i was lacking right and then when i went to high school it was like a completely different world yeah and you know it went from me being really really sheltered and always playing piano and not having any time to you know go visit friends or even see anyone like when i went to high school it was just a, a whole different world like i had no idea about all these different cliques the popularity and like for me i started to associate myself with you know the bad kids because i thought that they were the cooler ones i felt like i was always with good good kids my entire life so when i saw that i was like whoa like what is going on over here and that's actually where my downward downward spiral started um in high school but you know it definitely went from one spectrum to the other spectrum and having experienced it is actually um very crazy but like that recognition of you know i'm not at a good place or i see that you know here are some sources my sadness or my shortcomings that is definitely more solidified when you're a teenager but it continues like throughout your life even you know we're full-grown adults and i'm gonna be like in my late 40s which is shocking but even in our era right everybody's like comparing like well how much does she make or how much does he make how many deals did they close how many boats do they have how big is your boat that constant comparison maybe the topic changes depending on where you're located and what the society that you belong to tells you is is the golden standards but that process of comparison Mm -hmm. sadness desire to improve desire to achieve sadness happiness that whole repetition it just moves from one topic to another but it stays with us throughout our entire lifetime and and that's the thing what as we grow up in this world like this is what we're learning from society this is how we are learning to judge people and base someone's worth off of which is very very crazy seeing the young generation these days base their self-worth off of their instagram likes and it's just it's just ridiculous And it, it, it does make me very sad to even see that. And, you know, we're growing up and we're teaching people about like, oh, well, you need to make money. You need to have money for this. And, you know, I was in the same boat until I start to understand much more than that. But the thing is, if you're basing your own happiness and you're basing your self-worth off of how much money you have, like how pretty your girlfriend is or what kind of car you drive, all of that is, is, is mute because no matter what, there's always going to be somebody that's much greater than you in every yeah. different aspect. That as you soon as you cut. get there, you realize... Yeah. Yeah, this is a conversation we have all the time too. Like amongst my friends, they will ask me like, Helen, when would you retire? Like how much is enough money for you to say, you know, now I can retire, right? And the funny thing is like when you, if you asked me that question when I was in my 20s, I'm sure it's different than what I would have said in my 30s. And it's certainly different if you were to ask me today. A lot of people have their goals and desires depending on where they stand at that time, right? For that particular aspect of their life. So... 
you know, if you were to ask my friend, some of them might say like, five million, that's enough for me to retire. Some people will say, are you crazy? I want like at least 20, 30 million dollars. And some people will say, what are you talking about? Like, I can't retire with 20, 30 million dollars. So it really depends on, you know, where you are. It's all about perspective. So this, this kind of leads me to my nerdy life graph that this concept that I thought about and sorry, I'm, I'm a very math person. So I like to sort of translate everything into math or graph of some form. But so imagine this graph, which is a graph of life. And imagine your x-axis to be your time series, right? And then from when you're born to when you die. And then your y-axis to be either sadness or happiness. Think about the point zero as whatever average is deemed to be. So it's like nobody is really above or below anybody. It's sort of an average line. That's the standard, let's call it. So most people's perspective is if you're at the top of the y-axis, so if you're at like, let's just come up with random numbers. Let's just say plus 100 is absolute happy, right? And minus 100 is absolute despair and sadness and sorrow. Right? So people think that oh, if I'm always around like 80, 90 every day, I'm pretty happy person. That's what people think. And people who are around negative 90, oh, they must be sad all the time. The funny thing is, it's not really true. When you think about your happiness and, and sadness, it's not so much where that line is currently the, it, and, and whether it stays there. It's the trajectory, whether it's going up or it's going down and whether it's going up steeply or whether it's going down steeply. So let's just give an example of financial aspect, right? Somebody who's suffering and is in debt, is totally in debt, has to pay off his uh, mortgage, has to pay student loan off. It's all negative. He was able to get to a point where he's at like positive 50. So he went from like negative 90 to positive 50. That big difference, right, of like 140, that that leap, that's an extreme happiness. But let's say somebody who was at like 90, went from 90 to like 89. It, even if he's at 90, which is way, way higher than this person who's at 50, that person will never feel that happiness that's correlated to his his point of 80 or 90 or 89 or 90. If he went from 90 to 100, maybe he'll be happy. But even if he's at 100, the happiness that he'll feel at going from 90 to 100 does not match the happiness that somebody feels from negative 90 to positive 50. That trajectory is what makes somebody happy. So for somebody to be happy or remain happy, theoretically, you have to be constantly going up. But if you go up very quickly, then where do you go from there? So so for all you guys that are listening, this we're like just, thinking like the non-math people. Yeah, like, let's, what are you let's just about? imagine a graph with a y-axis and an x-axis and the y-axis goes from like, let's just say positive 100 all the way up top and then all the way down to negative 100. So at zero is basically equilibrium. So this is where Helen is talking about negative emotions and positive. So zero is basically where you're where you're comfortable with. And what he what she's saying is 100 will be 100 points higher than your your normal. And this is what causes the spike in the worth and the feelings of happiness or sadness. You could think about Elon Musk, right at 100. Let's say that's the maximum somebody can make. You think he's constantly happy because he's at 100? 
every day he's like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. No, because unless he's making more or his goals in life could also move from financial to maybe making an impact or, or status or power or notoriety. I'm not sure. Maybe he has all. So this graph but, could but meaning go for all that. The graph, well, the graph will be all encompassing, exactly. but I'm just, you know, pulling out one aspect of it, which is financial, which is I use it as an example because it's monetary and it's easy to portray on a graph. But think about the most beautiful person on earth, same thing. You think the most beautiful models in the world, I don't know who you think is the hottest on earth. It's it's very, it's a hot topic to debate, I suppose. But, <laughs> but like, let's say whoever that person is at 100. You think she wakes up every morning in the morning and we're like, oh my God, I am so happy with the way I look and just happy constantly every day. Put aside the fact that she's gonna get old, but like I'm saying right now, right now she's at her prime and she wakes up in the morning and it's like, oh my God, I'm so hot. I am so hot every day. Oh my God, I'm so happy. That happiness is not, no, she's not happy. But let's say somebody who's very average, lost like 15 pounds. Let's say she's average, so she's at zero and she's feeling like zero to 10, right? Zero to positive 10. She's still average, but she lost 15 pounds, yeah. right? She looks at herself. If you were to compare that happiness or the contentment that the woman feels, right? That average looking person who went from zero to 10 versus a super hotness who constantly is hitting 100 every day. Who do you think is feeling happier? Well, Who's well, happier? Not even that. The people that when you say they're at 100, they don't focus. Like we never focus and appreciate what we have. We focus on what we lack right? No matter where you are. So this hundred of a girl, she could always be like, well, I don't like this and this and this about myself, which is why you see no, 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 I know. the for, most pretty for sure. girls get plastic surgery. Well, you know? exactly. Exactly. There is a point of reference mm -hmm. and there's desire and there's always perception of shortcomings for everybody. And the funny thing is some of my hottest friends in college are the most insecure people mm -hmm. about their looks. How about their looks? It's like, oh my God, I look like I'm such a mess. Oh my God. I, I feel like, like kick you in the face. Right I also now. feel like that is kind of trained where people, where they notice that that's what people get attracted get to. And so then now that becomes something that they build up. That they, they have but, to like maintain and upkeep. Yeah. But the, the whole thing is like, we, we're talking about this graph and all these charts because, you know, it can't just stop here. Right. And as Helen mentioned before, like everybody always just thinks about this and never takes a step further, myself included, like I'm very uh, slow thinker. But you know, this, this whole thing about disparity and differences and wants and needs and desires, it has to take us to the next level of thinking. And you know, how does this all tie back into God? How does this tie back into why we're made like this? There has to be a reason because if this whole difference causes a negative reaction or something like why why would why would god make that for us why would well, he put us through this situation right not only that if this ability to recognize our shortcomings and also being in an environment where we're constantly being measured against each other and being made, made aware and this is the way we're made right like why this very thing that makes us human is the very cause of us being sad or us desiring more and more every day. Like, why did God create us this way? Why have this feature that seems to be the very thing that differentiates us from the rest of the creation? What is so important about this difference or recognition of difference and this desire to have more? Why did God create us with this? There are different kinds of people, obviously. Like, there are people who are just like, 
I accept myself the way I am. This is the way I am. I'm gonna be poor or I'm going to be ugly. I'm gonna be fat. I'm gonna let myself go and just go fat. Whatever that might be. So those people are the ones who are, I don't care. And they're not allowing that human nature to work. They're ignoring it. They're letting it just sit, right? But the rest of us, whether we recognize it consciously or unconsciously, we struggle with it every day. But let's now leave that to religion or finding God or spirituality. A lot of us, and ask yourself this, for those people who believe in God or a higher being, do you believe in that higher being to help you achieve something more and greater? You recognize that you have these desires and you recognize you have these shortcomings. It could be like, hey, I don't have a, a boyfriend or, or a fiance or a husband. I don't have children or I want to make more money. I want that promotion. I want better status. I want more recognition, whatever that might be. Are you asking God to help you get there, to achieve your desires? I think most of the people who believe in God are seeking God for that purpose. So ultimately, the goal is whatever your desire is, you have that desire and you're asking God, hey, I could only get up to this much. Help me bridge the rest. Help me bridge the gap here. Let me get that. Let me achieve that. I think that's the type of beliefs that most people have, if I can be so bold to say that. Well, and then, then probably some of the listeners are saying, well, what else is out there? Yeah. <laughs> what else, what other form of belief would you have other than that? Yeah. I feel like people ask God for stuff that they want. It, it, it makes sense, right? It, it's like, oh, well, there's a higher power. Um, right. Help me get what I want. But, you know, I know the people who've been listening to our podcast know that we've always said that this is directionally not the right way of going about it. We talked about it in class today, actually, that, you know, if you told people that there was this God A, let's kind of say God A, and this God would basically grant you whatever you wanted um, and help you achieve whatever you desired. And then there's God B, and God B is a God that doesn't do what God A does, but he'll teach you in certain ways. And it's kind of like uh, like having a parent, right? Your parent is there and when you need to get whipped, you get whipped. You get, you get beat, you need to get beat. And you know, when the times are good, times are good, right? It's, there's like ups and downs. It's not like God A where it's like, oh, whatever you want, I'll grant you. It's kind of like a genie. And I know we made that reference in the you know previous episodes, but if you went to somebody and just asked them, would you rather have God A or God B? You know, what do you think they would choose? I would say like 100% people would be like, I want God A. But, you know, if you're believing in God A and God A doesn't exist and God's not like that, then what type of God are you really believing in? You know, so I feel like this is these are things that everybody needs to think about and kind of realize exactly what they're asking for God and what they want from Him and what they're expecting their belief to, I guess, uh, what's the culmination of their beliefs and what they want to achieve from believing in God. Let's like think this through though. Like let's just analyze that form of belief that most people have, which is, hey, help God, help me achieve my desires, right? So let, let's say you went, you know, you went from point A to point B. 
and, and you think God helped you get there. And then what? Do you think you'll be happy? You'll be happy because you achieved B? No, there's going to be like C or D that you continue to want. And also, just like that life graph we talked about, let's say you went from like 50 to 60. You think that's it? No, there are other people who have 70. And you're going to want 70. And then God's going to help you get to 70. And then you're going to be happy? No. Once you get there, you're going to want 80. It's a futile exercise, meaning you're going to always want more. Even if he gets you there, even if you get there, you're going to always want more. And then let's think about it from the creator's perspective. Let's say there's this almighty God who creates the world and creates humans. And all he's doing is helping these imperfect beings get richer, get more beautiful, get more famous, help them achieve whatever they want. And that's why they're here. What is the purpose of that? What is the creator's purpose of creating something that's imperfect to help them get more and more in life in this, in this society? What is that purpose? It is, it is a meaningless exercise. But here is a thought that will leave you, right? Like here's a big picture. So you have an almighty God that's a perfect being that, that created this creation. But he created something that is imperfect right ultimately what does it mean the fact that we, we feel sadness that we feel inferior to somebody else that we feel desire to have more all of that is originating back to one fact which is we're imperfect and we're not forever right there's nothing you can never have a hundred that's the whole thing about life graph there is no hundred in life in human society there is no such thing that hundred will be God. Instead of reaching out to a higher power and say, hey, can you help me achieve more? Can you help me fulfill my desires? The question really ought to be, why did you create me this way? What am I to do with, with my sadness? What am I to do with my happiness? What is it that you're trying to show me here? That's what you're trying to do. Again, redirecting your question to not yourself and your desires, but directing the question to the creator and his intent. I think that if you guys start to redirect your direction of life this way, I think you will be happier. I think you will see that a lot of this exercise you do on a daily basis is all futile. So I hope that helped you see some of the reasons behind your sadness or your desires and will help you sort of redirect that question to something above and beyond you and the society and ultimately to the creator and start asking the right type of questions. It is really important for our listeners today to really think about this because this is the very essence of who we are and this is the very essence of our livelihood, like how are we living our, our lives and how we're directing it. So hope you found the episode to be interesting to you and helpful. If there is something that we touched on that you would like for us to further clarify, please email us at podcastslife at gmail.com uh, and then we'll share these questions and commentaries with everybody. For now, keep your mind and hearts open and always ask life. <laughs>